Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to new episodes of the Reimagined Schools podcast for the 2023-24 school year. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Goins, and I'm excited to bring you new conversations this school year with many of the top authors, speakers, and thought leaders in P-12 education. Once again, Rocket PD will serve as the official sponsor of the Reimagined Schools podcast. So if you're looking for the very best in professional development for educators, look no further than rocketpd.com. Also thrilled to announce my continued partnership with the Education Podcast Network, in which I am a proud member. If you're looking for other education podcasts, you certainly want to visit our website at edupodcastnetwork.com. And finally, folks, as we bring in guests each week to have conversations about how to reimagine schools, I encourage you to look at the show notes with each episode. That's where I'll have links uh, for our guests through their social media, websites. Uh, You might even find the occasional link to uh, go to the bookstore and buy one of their books as we're going to have a lot of prominent authors and speakers uh, scheduled for this this school year. So with that, folks, very excited to get ready to rock and roll for this new school year. As always, hit me up if you have questions or comments, or if you just want to talk more about uh, what guests you want to see in the future on the Reimagined Schools podcast, because we're about to rock and roll. The Reimagined Schools podcast begins right now. Hello again, everyone. We are back in the saddle once again. My guest today is a professor in the education department at the University of Michigan, specializing in educational technology. She's an author and popular speaker in the ed tech space as the creator of the Triple E framework that's been a game changer to help teachers find purpose in the classroom and how to integrate technology. So with that, a big welcome to Dr. Liz Kolb. How are you, Liz? Hi, thank you. I am excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here. It's it's a delight to talk with you and spend some time. As I told you off air, I've been using your Triple E framework for quite some time in the courses that I teach in higher education uh, in our principal prep program. I'm a big fan of anything related to how to improve technology use in the classroom. So uh, hopefully we'll get to spend some time and talk about the Triple E framework and all the other work that you're doing. Uh, but let's let's kind of begin with how you got into the education space to begin with. Um, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I was not stalking, I was just getting a little background information, and I know you taught uh, social studies in the <laughs> late 90s. Uh, I was a first-year high school English teacher in 1995, so we were kind of in the same world at the same time, and I remember, and I tell this story a lot, so my listeners have heard it before. But I remember as a first year high school English teacher, my, my principal coming and knocking on my door uh, at three o'clock at the end of the day and said, come with me. I want to show you something. So we walked downstairs. We walked to the back of the library to a little bitty office that was highly secure. And there was a computer there hooked up to dial up. And that's the very first time I remember getting on the Internet with my principal and myself. He knew that I liked those type of innovative type tools and things. And so we listened to the screechy noise and we looked at a few things on the internet. And I remember going home that night thinking, how in the world am I ever going to use that in my classroom? And you kind of had a similar experience uh, as, as a, as a first year teacher with PowerPoint. You were one of the first there in your school to really kind of use PowerPoint as this dynamic tool. 
was that your aha moment uh, for the intersection of, of teaching and technology or, or maybe you can share that story with us a little bit. Yeah. So that's interesting um, that you brought that up. And I love your story, by the way, uh, very relatable. Um, I, my, my interest in um, technology in teaching and learning actually dates way, way back to when I was in high school. Um, I was a struggling student. I was not someone who ever thought I'd be a teacher or an educator or definitely not a university professor at Michigan. Um, I was on an IEP and really struggled quite a bit um, in school, did not get very good grades and was very disengaged. And I had an 11th grade teacher um, who kind of caught on to the fact that I was struggling. And he approached me when we started reading a book called uh, David, uh, the book, David Copperfield. And um, uh, he said, you know, I don't really feel like you've been reading any of our books. And I was like, no, haven't been reading any books. And he um, said, well, I'll tell you what, if you read this book, I'll let you um, kind of present what you know in any way you want. And he was like, what do you like to do? And that was a question nobody had really asked me, like, what do you like to do? Not what can you do, you know, for me academically? And I said at the time, it was the 80s. I want to date that. Um, I said, I love to make mixtapes. Like I had a whole mixtape player and I did all sorts of creative stuff with it. And he was like, great, make me a mixtape of David Copperfield after you read it. And I got so excited about that, that I actually read the book. Now I struggled in the book, but he kind of helped me. He taught me different tricks that I could use. And ultimately I put together this mixtape, which I still remember every facet of it to this day. And it was the first time I got an A on an assignment. And it really stood out to me that um, I could bring my love of technology into learning and bridge the two. Um, and so that really kind of put me on a whole different pathway when I went into teaching, which was asking students what they like to do, um, working with struggling students. And a huge part of it was technology. They, they were always involved in technology, whether it was like a Walkman or, you know, um, different video gaming. Um, there was always a way to find ways to connect the two. Um, so when I was approached uh, way back when in the 90s, um, uh, with uh, being the head of the tech committee that the school was just forming, it was my first year of teaching. Um, I, I, I said yes to it because I knew technology could be valuable um, for students, especially my struggling students. And the very first thing that they had me do was uh, my principal sent me to a PD. And I remember him saying what the PD was on and it was on PowerPoint and thinking it was such a strange name. I never heard of it. And once I went to that PD, I um, saw, you know, this kind of movie making approach that PowerPoint had with the transitions and the sound effects and everything. And I got so excited by it that I thought my students have to see this. And I brought it into my classroom literally the next day, stayed up all night making a PowerPoint on the French Revolution because that's what we were studying the next day. And um, I put in every bell and whistle you can think of into it, every little gimmick that PowerPoint had, you know, little animations, all of it. And, um, you know, I taught um, students that really struggled. And uh, the very first day I brought that PowerPoint in, all of a sudden their heads were off their desks and they were engaged and they were laughing and smiling. And I falsely thought this was the trick with technology is all I have to do is kind of put 
PowerPoint in front of my students and they're learning. And I was really uh, miscalculating, um, you know, uh, learning with kind of this false behavioral engagement that I was seeing. And so I spent the next two weeks making PowerPoints every single night. Um, and by the end of those two weeks, my students' heads were back down on their desks and they weren't so excited to see a little caveman come in and pound a letter because I saw it 50 times before. And it didn't really end up changing my students' learning outcomes. You know, my C students were still C students kind of thing. And uh, I did that for many years. I would find some new technology and bring it in and um, kind of use it in this kind of gimmicky way to get their attention. And I thought that was good use of technology. Um, but looking back on it, I realized that I wasn't getting to that cognitive engagement that I wanted. It was just a behavioral and um, that really, um, uh, defined a lot of what I did with technology and teaching for a long time until I started to figure out this was not, um, the kind of tech use that's going to actually change or support better learning outcomes. And, you know, you and I are kind of in a unique situation because we can remember when these tools were first entering the classroom, you know, it would be mid, mid 1990s. Uh, kids today tell me I, I taught in the 1900s, which really makes me feel old. But, you know, during that time, you know, getting on the internet for the first time, you know, seeing seeing stuff like Excel, Microsoft Word, you know, those kind of things. I remember using WordPerfect at one time yep. uh, just, yep. for, just for normal daily tasks. You think about, you know, how the evolution of technology has just exploded from that period of time to now. And so many tools have come across, um, uh, you know, the market and into the classroom. I just saw the other day where Google announced that Jamboard was going to be discontinued. So now people are are frantically looking for things to replace Jamboard. So it's fascinating to me that all these tools have been, you know, they'll come and go. I think about Vine, you know, Vine used to be really popular at one time, making short videos. And now, of course, today we have TikTok. But I think we continue to do a good job in teacher prep programs, teaching future teachers how to go about content, but I still think we struggle in a lot of ways in technology integration. Is, is that a fair assessment from your, from your perspective? Oh, for sure. I think, and I think one of the hardest pieces is that in teacher prep, we can talk with our new teachers about, you know, um, technology should be a tool that's supporting, you know, good teaching and learning practices. It shouldn't be taking the place of, um, but when our new teachers get into schools, sometimes the schools have a different message. And I think that can be really confusing, right? Um, when the school might say, well, you have to use, you know, X adaptive software, even if the teacher says, but my methods are better than that. Um, so sometimes they're being forced to do things that they maybe learn aren't the best approach or strategy. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that our, our teachers still really do struggle with knowing when the technology is truly enhancing and supporting the learning, or if it's just kind of a, a distractor from what, you know, we really want students to get out of something. And, you know, one of the conversations I have with a lot of, um, principal candidates and teachers here uh, in my area, if you think about effect size, you know, the effect size for using computers and technology in the classroom, the needle really hasn't moved a whole lot over a, a very significant period of time. And so as we think about that and think about, you know, we have so many people that that want to use this tool because it's 
you know, the next thing, the next ice cream of the month. It's the next flashy tool. But if we're not thinking about how is this going to enhance the learning in the classroom? How is this going to help students develop and grow and really have their own aha moment in the classroom to enhance learning? I think that's kind of the genesis of your Tripoli framework, isn't it? It really is. Uh, my framework really came out of um, I was observing all of these kind of behavioral engagement um, activities that were happening in schools with technology and the, the principals all the way down through the teacher were like, yeah, this is great, right? This is great. The students are so engaged in these devices, but ultimately it wasn't really moving the needle when it came to learning outcomes um, or whatever the goals happened to be, even if it was soft skills. Um and so that's when I started to really comb through hundreds and hundreds of pieces of research on ed tech um, to kind of give some guidance on what does it actually mean to truly engage in the learning process with technology, um, to truly enhance the learning, not just this behavioral, it feels good kind of thing. Um, and so that's, you know, where the Tripoli came from is I wanted it to be kind of an evidence-based approach to thinking about um, how we integrate technology when we choose to use it, when we don't, and just being able to have nine quick questions you can ask about a lesson and to be able to say, is this happening in this lesson? And the goal is really, um, you know, for coaches and administrators is a conversation piece because a lot of administrators, you can probably speak to this better than I can, a lot of administrators struggle with how they evaluate the tech use when they're doing, you know, observational walkthroughs of their teachers because they often didn't have a background in it. Um, so this is something you can use in the observational walkthrough as a kind of a guide to ask these questions of the teacher, you know, is, is there social learning happening with this, you know? Uh, what are the scaffolds and supports that it's providing outside of what you would do without technology? Like, well, how is this connecting students to the real world? So um, I really wanted to have more of an evidence-based approach to um, what teachers were doing in the classroom and also what they were being evaluated on um, so that it wasn't just you get a better score because you're using the latest tool. Um, it should be you have a stronger evaluation because you're making very purposeful, careful selections, even if you're using an old tool like, like Microsoft PowerPoint. Um, so, you know, um, kind of on both ends. So the Tripoli framework, the best thing about it, in my mind, is it's all free and you can go to the Tripoli framework website at tripolyframework.com. It's all there. And you've done a wonderful service by providing various rubrics and tools that can be printed out. Principals can use, teachers can use, anyone that works in a school uh, that's going to be thinking about technology integration can use these things to help, uh, you know, improve the practice. So the three E's are engage, enhance, and extend. And uh, rather than me trying to stumble my way through what this process looks like. I'll, I'll let you take it from here and kind of walk us through what educators will find if they go to the website and see the see the three E's. Sure. So the goal is to be very simple, um, kind of research to practice approach. Um, as a former teacher, nobody has time to like go through like a 50 question rubric or anything like that. So um, the goal is eventually you kind of have it memorized. So you never have to actually look at the Tripoli rubric after you use it enough times. Um, so uh, there's three questions for each of the E's. Um, 
And these E's were purposely selected because they came from what we know about teaching and learning with technology. Um, so the first one is engagement. And, and I should say none of the E's are more important than the other. They all should be kind of present. Um, but I do start with engagement because that's the term we hear the most when it comes to tech and learning as it's so engaging. Um, and really engagement according to the Tripoli framework is um, engagement without distractions. So the technology should not distract from the learning. If there's a lot of bells and whistles going on, lots of clickables, lots of sound effects, that's all distracting, too many rewards, right? That's all distracting students from the actual content and, and the learning. Um, and each question, um, I should say, also has it's kind of a, a three, um, three, three response options. One is it's absolutely present. One is it's somewhat present or one is it's not at all. And it's not exact. So usually sometimes you can be, be between two. You can be it's, it's maybe somewhat or not at all or maybe somewhat and um, absolutely. And you kind of get points for them. So zero for not at all, one for somewhat and two for um uh, absolutely. Uh, so for each question, you can get up to two points. Um, so the first part is it can't distract for engagement. The second part is um, that it uh, is uh, something that should, what I kind of say is, is motivate the students into the learning process. Um, so the technology should help get them into the process. So um, this could be a bit of the um, I'm excited to make a mixtape, even though maybe I'm not going to remember what's on the mixtape. Um, so I might give that a score of one if it's not truly related to um, the David Copperfield book, but it's still getting me excited to start the process of learning. So you do kind of maybe get a point for that type of thing. So um, is it helping students to actually get involved in that learning process and get them started in the content, not just the tech itself? And the last one is the most important, which is social um, and active learning. We know students um, learn best when they're social and they're active. So that should also be present with the technology. It can either be present um, in the technology itself, a very social um, activity like FaceTime, or it can be something that the teacher creates structures around to be social, such as pausing on the software they're using individually um, and then doing like a turn and talk so that they can talk through what they're learning. So there's multiple ways to get to that social, but it should be present and it should be active learning. So that's what we want to see in engagement, those three pieces. In enhancement, we want to see um, that the students are actually using what we would call kind of those higher level thinking skills or the higher end of Bloom's taxonomy. Um, we know from research that when students are really kind of more in the remember, understand, drill and practice, that they don't take as much out of it. Um, especially our um, marginalized students tend to really take a lot more when they are getting into creative activities with technology tools. We also know that technology should make learning easier. So if it's making it harder, um, then uh, you shouldn't use it. <laughs> um, so it should make the learning easier, help the process um, for the students and should provide scaffolds and supports or differentiation or personalization um, that help the students better understand the content. And then the last part of enhancement is that it should have a value added over a traditional tool. So I always like to ask my teachers, um, how would you do this activity without the technology? Like some, like, you know, um, making a video. Uh, and so they might say, oh, we could do a play in front of the, the class, or you might do a diorama, whatever. And then I'll say like, how is the technology adding value over just doing the play in front of the class? And if you don't have a good response, then don't take the time to use technology because technology always takes longer.
Um, and then extension is really about how we extend um, learning through technology to the real world. Technology can uh, connect us to, um, it can bring us into like one degree of separation, but it can also really isolate learners depending on what you're doing. So we want to make sure that technology is helping to bridge students' um, uh, concept learning in the classroom with what they're doing in the real world. Um, so we want to see maybe they're using, you know, Twitter or X now, right, to connect to um, real world authors, right? Like I actually have tweeted Judy Bloom. That's really exciting for me um, to be able to make that kind of connection. That's my 80s coming in again. Um, uh, and then also there are soft skills involved that are important for our students. They do need to know how to navigate those soft skills like the four C's. So that's also part of extension is recognizing is this activity allowing students to build those soft skills um, that are important for the future as well. Um, and finally, we want to make sure that um, the technology is accessible to the students. Um, schools tend to purchase very expensive tools that aren't always accessible outside of school, especially different apps. And the more you can use something that the students have in their pocket or they have access to 24-7, the more likely it is that they're going to be able to transfer that knowledge to their everyday lives and not have it so separated. So those are the three categories um, in brief of the Tripoli the framework. And ultimately you get a score out of 18 because each, each question is worth two points and there's nine questions. Um, the closer you are to 18, what we found is that it means the more connected your technology tool is with your learning goals and your instructional strategies. So all three of those kind of have to work together, especially those instructional strategies um, are kind of the uh, main focus or the, the, the big piece of this framework, um, the P and TPAC, if you think about it that way. But um, the, the teachers moves that they make with the technology, making it more social, making it connect better to the real world, um, choosing ways to help scaffold it, checklists, other things like that. All of that can help get the score closer to 18. So those pedagogical moves make a big difference. If it's really close to zero or under six, there's not a lot of connection between the learning goals and what the students are actually doing in the technology. And you really wanna rethink, is this the right tool? Are these the right pedagogical approaches? And what are some other options I have? Should I change the tool, change the approach and really think through those pieces? So, and that's very well done. Uh, so I know you you do that a lot, but that's so much better than I could have explained it. But you can go to the Triple E Framework website and it's all right there. It's very easy to follow and understand and you'll be be rocking and rolling in no time. But I guess in terms of application, you know, a lot of teachers are list, going to be listening to this episode, a lot of administrators. So, you know, a teacher is on an, an ISTE Twitter chat or X chat now, I guess we're calling them, and they find some some great new tool. You know, I remember when Kahoot took over the world a few years ago, hey. you know, how do you take that tool and then, you know, put it up, frame it up against the the Tripoli the e rubric or the assessment tools and figure out if you should take the time and effort to incorporate that into your classroom teaching? It's a great question. So the Tripoli framework itself is really made for um, lesson plan development where you have a content learning goal and then you're choosing a tool to support it. Um, the, the 
basic Tripoli isn't really made to evaluate a single tool without a content learning goal. So you really do need to evaluate it within the context of the lesson and the content learning goal. However, with that said, I do have a second Tripoli framework that just focuses on evaluating education applications. And that one has the same three categories. And then uh, it looks at it a little bit differently. So it does look at an individual application through the lens of does it have the potential to have these kind of three areas of engagement, right? Does it have the potential to create social learning? Does it have the potential to connect students to the real world? Does it have the potential to provide scaffolds and supports for students? Is it um, easy or difficult for them to navigate? It also looks at, um, uh, it also includes like uh, privacy, student data privacy checks and um, even kind of discriminatory design checks. So it goes a little bit deeper, but it does look at, you know, what are you hoping to use it for? And does it have the potential to, to meet those particular needs? Um, so I would say using that, um, Tripoli rubric for education uh, evaluate educational app evaluation is the way to go for that because it looks at these different facets and it even connects to the research guides to see if there's any research to support um, the benefit of that tool. Yeah, a, a great, great advice and a, a great kind of segue into your book, which is kind of where I want to switch gears and, and go there in our remaining time together. Your, the book, your most recent book is titled Learning First, Technology Second. And I, I, it's a wonderful read, folks. You go out, you find that probably uh, at any place you can buy books uh, or you can go to the uh, the website. You can follow Liz on social media and uh, the book's pretty easy to find. But again, the title is Learning First, Technology Second. And when I when I looked at that book, Liz, the first thing I thought about was one of my favorite quotes comes from George Kuros. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here when he said uh, several years ago that technology will never replace good teachers. But technology integration in the appropriate way can help good teachers go to great. And that was kind of the foundation for your book, that it has to be about the learning and then the tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, clearly the title says it all and it was very purposely titled. It was not about technology. It's about learning and learn and, and technology is just another tool like pencil, like everything else. Um, but the teacher is still the most important piece and the most important person in the room or thing or entity in the room. Um, I get a lot of questions about, you know, is AI going to replace teachers? That's the big thing right now. And I just always say, look at the history of screens and schools for the last 100 years. No new technology has ever successfully replaced a teacher because the teacher knows their students best and they know what their students need. A technology tool is just not going to know that. Um, but the technology tool can, uh, based on the teacher knowing the goals and needs of their students, the technology tool can maybe make the learning easier. It can connect them to, you know, spaces and places that they couldn't be at. It can um, give them opportunities to engage in ways that um, help to elevate their learning. But that teacher plays a huge role. And if the teacher's not well-trained in how students learn and um, comfortable with technology, then no technology tool is going to make that teacher even a, a good teacher. So it really does come down to good teachers can do great things with technology, um, but no technology is going to make somebody a good teacher. And, and I think you'll agree with this. I, you know, I've really leaned into this idea that the role of the classroom teacher has continued to change. And instead of being just someone that delivers content, I think the teacher should become a designer. 
And mm -hmm. I think that fits very well with Triple E framework because you're really designing these engaging lessons that are going to incorporate uh, pieces of technology to enhance the learning. But in terms of designing quality, engaging lessons, I, I know you're working with a lot of students there right now on how to do that. You know, what is your advice and how do you kind of, you know, lead them uh, to the water and, and teach them how to do those things? Um, you know, we always start with the goal. Like we're very simple. Like, what do you want your students to get out of this? What is your goal? Um, and then we talk about um, what are the places within that goal that you think the students um, might need some extra support or technology might come into play. Um, so, and sometimes we'll be like, well, I don't know if there is any, and then it's like, well, maybe we don't look at technology. And then sometimes it'll be, well, I have to kind of do a lot of differentiation of, of, you know, um, uh, the activities in this. So then we start to talk about providing voice and choice and how technology can provide some voice and choice for that. And I actually have a, like a spreadsheet that I've created, um, for my students of just all these kind of different tools and what they do and, um, ways that they can kind of support. So sometimes we'll just start to kind of peruse that and, and talk through um, what tool makes sense for their particular goal. Um, but it really always starts with the goal and not the tool. So as much as we go to these conferences and um, talk to vendors and we get excited by the tools, like I just add that, I would say like add that to your toolbox, but that might not be the tool that you have to run or, you know, stay up all night and, and, and create for the class tomorrow. Um, cause, uh, you, you really do want to model to your students also using tools, um, to support what they're doing. So it really starts with the goal. And then we kind of work through from there. Sometimes we'll take a lesson that they did with technology and we'll walk through the Triple E together and we'll see where the holes are. Because there might be a lot of engagement and extension, but no enhancement. So then we talk about how we could correct that, um, which I think um, can sometimes take even a good lesson and make it a great lesson, um, which is helpful. Well, it's been a great conversation. I can actually talk about this all day long, but I want to respect your time. And I'm so grateful that we had a chance to connect and talk about these things. Uh, I have one final uh, thing I want to talk with you about before I let you go. I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about, I know one of the things you're very passionate about is digital wellness and mm -hmm. digital mental health. And, you know, I, I, I could just scroll through your Twitter feed and see all the great things you're doing with your students there at U of M, you know, helping them understand that those things have to be an integral part of what the classroom teacher is doing. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that has continued to come to the forefront in terms of technology integration? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've kind of been on this journey for about 10 years when it comes to um, digital wellness. We um, work with middle schoolers um, every year, um, starting with sixth graders through eighth graders, um, where my U of M students um, partner with them and work with them in small groups to just talk and have discussions about what they're doing and feeling about what they're doing online. And of course, um, with the COVID pandemic, we've seen a lot of um, just uh, uh, even more issues rising to the surface around digital wellness and a lot of new reports coming out about concerns um, that come from too much screen time or 
what you're doing on your screens more in particular. And what we found is that a lot of schools, while they try to combat this, they try to do it with like bringing in like an adult guest speaker that shames students or that scares all the parents um, or uh, they have to do a little quick quiz and they earn a badge. Um, but what we found with conversations with students around wellness is that they're, they're very nuanced. There's there's a lot going on and a lot they want to talk about that doesn't show up in a multiple choice question. And there's a lot that they're working through with recognizing that, you know, digital is part of their world, social, academic, everything, but also that it can be healthy and unhealthy depending on who you are and how your brain works with it. Um, so we just really try to focus in on giving students, my own students who are going to be teachers, but also younger students, um, the research so that they kind of know, um, but also giving them um, opportunities to kind of get in touch with their emotions about what they're doing online. So my own students do quite a few activities around taking like a tech-free day, which is actually really hard for them, and to just kind of jot their emotions. And um, by having these conversations with middle schoolers, I found that it really helps my own U of M students' digital wellness because it's getting them to rethink choices that they're making and also recognizing that as a future professional educator, um, that they're a role model and so that they need to be modeling very explicitly to their students every day about wellness habits um, uh, and, and being very vocal about that. Well, thanks again for your time. Uh, tell all your students at University of Michigan, we said hello. Uh, share this podcast with them. Maybe they can do a little podcast PD as part of their, their teacher prep program. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. As always, a big thank you to everyone out there listening, sharing out episodes, and of course, creating your own podcast PD groups right there in your own school. I'm amazed how many of my former students and educators, not only here in Kentucky, but throughout the country, have listened to these podcasts, they've formed small groups together, and they've had discussion about how to create better schools for kids. And if you have a podcast group there in your school, and you want me to jump into a Zoom meeting, or maybe even attend in person to sit down and have a roundtable discussion with educators in your building, I would love to do that. So hit me up. You can find me on social media at Dr. Greg Goins. You can always email me at drgreggoins at gmail.com. And again, if you have questions about uh, leadership coaching or some of the consulting work that I'm currently doing with the Modern Classrooms Project or Rocket PD, hit me up on social media or shoot me that email. I would love to talk with you and help create better schools for kids right there in your school and community. So with that, folks, that's a wrap on another episode. Always do what you can to create better schools for kids.